Reclaimed Audio. Upcycling and making with reclaimed materials. Welcome to Reclaim Audio Podcast. Okay, hey, I'm Tim Sway. What's up, guys? I'm Bill Lutz. Hey, I'm Phil Pinsky, and we are going to be talking this week about a really, really interesting topic. It's going to follow through from last week's where we talked about value uh, and the many definitions of value for us. Before we get into it, I just wanted to remind everyone about iTunes, leaving us a review. It always helps, and we really appreciate it. Patreon, patreon.com slash reclaimedaudio. However you guys can help, we really appreciate it. It's what helps us stay on the air. Speaking of Patreon, I want to throw a huge shout-out to three supporters this week. One is, of course... Luis Gonzalez, who is a huge patron of many, many uh, people's works, and we really appreciate it. A new uh, patron or Patreon supporter for us is Stu Morrison, who is an awesome guy. You know, I, I know him through, uh, through the Facebook group, as, as many of us do. And the last one that I'm going to mention this week is the godfather, Jimmy DeResta. Not only does he have his own podcast, but he also helps out others, and we really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jimmy. Yeah, thanks, hey, bro. Can, can I ask a question real quick? Go ahead. <laughs> What's <laughs> a Teresta? <laughs> Thank you to those supporters. If you'd like to be one, check out our Patreon page, and uh, that's going to be on, on our website. You can get the links for that. Uh, let's dive right into what we're working on. Uh, Tim, why don't you tell us what you're working on this week? Um, well, I I, uh, I will be posting some videos this week of some stuff. I finished up the whiskey cabinet. that I finished that a while ago. I was just waiting on the shelves. And um, I was finishing up some some Christmas gifts for my family and uh, a couple little things here and there, sort of tidying up. But uh, what was exciting for me today was that I have a job coming up that uh, required me to have a plasma cutter. So I had to buy one. So jealous. Which was, so jealous. So I, I unfortunately only got about 10 minutes to play with it today because I had to do some other things. But um, but it's uh, it's... It's really awesome. I can't wait to see what I can do with it, man. So I saw you—you uh, you posted on uh, on Facebook the the picture of it, and you cut something out. Would you, was that just a circle? Oh yeah, I cut out the I cut out the V, like the Vance V. In oh circle. right. And I uh, just just freehanding it, just kind of just learning the tool. I figured I better just start messing around. And but I need to get a uh, I need to get a water trap on my air compressor, like a filter, to keep the air nice and clean. So I don't want to use it too much today. And I had some other stuff to do. But uh, so I need to pick that up tomorrow so I can make sure there's getting clean air and it's not going to corrode the tips. And, yeah, you've um, got a, an amazing uh, resource with uh, Mr. Gagne. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to help you get that set up and run right. So yeah, everything he said was right. Yep, yeah, he's right down the street and he's uh, you know he's a metal a metal guru. So uh, so he was actually I was I was messaging with him back and forth prior to even purchasing one about like well what should, what I need what I get you know. All right, how about you, Bill? What are you up to? I am, since coming back from the North Pole, I am filling out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, well, it's probably more like 30 um, addressing and envelopes so I can get some stickers mailed out. And I can't believe I didn't think about how long this was going to take. But, yeah, handwriting envelopes, I'll be mailing out some stickers. And um, I just thought, I let me give out a shout-out again to Mr. Mike Laffey for the design of my sticker and Mr. Luis Gonzalez for... Um, producing that sticker and getting them to me. And then, of course, I've got the the ones that I upcycled myself, so I'll be mailing uh, one of each to a lot of people. And uh, what else are we working on? I'm going to get started on my next Izzy Swan-inspired video. 
And that's about. Oh, oh, let's um. Before I forget, because I'll, you know, the group is kind of like, you know, the one I'm always. You guys don't really like the group, but I do. <laughs> How about Andrew, Andy, David, and Mr. Rod Reyes started their podcast today? Did you guys get a chance to hear that? I did. Yes. Yes. It was, yeah, it was great. great. Oh my God! This. Just oh, how much fun was that? I'm so excited they're going to be putting that out. So big shout out to those guys, our group mates, and um, I'll stop rambling. Phil, what's going on with you? <laughs> no, it's fine. I loved it. It was great. So happy to have one more podcast to add to the list. Um, what I'm working on, I posted pictures, so it's real. I am making progress on that bench. Um, check it out on Instagram at Phil Pinsky. You can see that I'm. Uh, you know, I did I did a, a dry fit of it, and it turns out I'm I'm no good at math, so I made it like too <laughs> wide and too long. <laughs> so I have to chop and retenon, but the mortises are still good, so that's fine. And then I'll just uh, I'll put that together. The video, I mean, I basically could release the video. So what I'm gonna do is just edit the footage, and I actually over the weekend ordered a new mic, like a new microphone, a condenser microphone that I. Uh, was given as a recommendation by one of our listeners. He sent me an email, which I, I encourage everyone to do. Uh, please send us emails. Please give us your feedback. Um, anyways, it was a Samson Go mic in the States. It's going for $32 on Amazon. I clicked the, oh, you're in Canada. Click here. I clicked on it, $75 Canadian. Oh! I was like, ouch! So I land up finding it on some other website for 60 bucks, and I considered that a fair deal, so I ordered that. So I'm going to do the voiceover using a good microphone, and I'm really excited because it's also going to help me with the podcast, which is how I pitch it to my wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pumping out these whiskey boxes. I've got five step stools to do. I ordered uh, a 1,000 pocket screws, uh, Craig screws, the one-inch course, because Home Depot was out, so I just ordered off Amazon. We're Prime members, which I recommend to everybody. And my wife's like, well, why don't we just order it off Amazon? I'm like, I didn't even think about that. So we had it like a day later. I ordered it on Saturday. I got it on Monday. It was insane. Hmm. And, oh, sorry, I ordered it Friday night. I got it on Sunday. They deliver on Sunday for the holidays. That was crazy. Wow. And that's a lot of stuff. So, but I do these uh, Periscope things, which I've mentioned. So, if you guys like to watch that kind of stuff live, check it out at Phil Pinsky. That's that's me. That's uh, one more thing about the new podcast too. Uh, Mike Laffey is actually editing and producing that for those guys, and uh, it came out really well. So, I just keep giving shout outs to those guys. Love them all. You should. I'm gonna Absolutely. see if uh, maybe he'll want to do ours. I would. I'd like to outsource that. <laughs> you might have to, we might have to pay him a little extra with as much as you have to uh, edit and delete yeah. half the stuff I said. So. <laughs> We're getting better. You know, Spagnolo, who I uh, chat with every once in a while, uh, told me that uh, you know at the very beginning when they first started doing this, like uh, I don't know, they're in 286 episodes, so maybe five years, six years, maybe they've been doing it. At the very beginning, they had to do a lot of editing. Now they do virtually none. You sort yeah. of get into a rhythm and you know a rhyme to it, and you just uh, you you don't really have to you you watch your p's and q's, Bill. So it uh, it works more <laughs> smoothly that way. Okay, um, one one last thing, you guys. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. I've got all this energy from my trip. Um, it's true confession times for Bill. Okay, Mr. Mark Spagnolo, the Wood Whisperer. 
I have been listening to him, I think about this, for eight, nine, maybe ten years. I mean, literally. I have probably a, a couple of hundred times at least when a question has come up over the years about woodworking, I've referred it to him in, in the last few years on Facebook. I will uh, get a link to one of his videos for a question that somebody asks, hey, hey, check out Mark's stuff. Again, been listening to him forever. I am right now because I didn't realize when I first started um, watching YouTube and stuff, you can't reply and you can't like even if you don't sign up. And back when I first started this, like, why well, I take the time to do that? Anyway. All these years later, I'm holding my phone up. I am now going to subscribe to the Wood Whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I love you, brother. I just didn't realize that I hadn't subscribed to your channel because I always just go Wood Whisperer on a Google and your videos come up and I can find everything I want. So I'm now an official subscribe E of Mark Spagnuolo, the Wood Whisperer. Thank goodness he's out there because there's a plethora of information from that man, and he's awesome. So yeah. you guys witnessed it. I am now a subscriber. I'll stop interrupting. Well, I probably won't, but go ahead. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm going to raise a glass to that because that's great. Cheers. Here, here. Now that we've discussed what we're working on, this week's topic uh, comes to us from a listener, which is wonderful because it's the first time that's happened. Uh, actually, we've gotten suggested a few times, but this one I think is a really, really great topic. And it's a continuation sort of of last week's, and I'm calling it marketplaces. So essentially, we're going to discuss the pros and cons of the ways that we sell, the venues that we sell, um, you know, either virtual or in person. Cool. So, yeah, I think it's a great topic. So, Tim, since you've been doing this uh, the longest, as far as I know professionally, um, what, are your, what are your favorite venues to sell, and what are the goods and the bads, the ups and the downs? Well, I have a 1982 Crown Victoria with a very large trunk, and I just drive around and open the trunk up and see if anybody wants to buy anything out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes That's great. Mobile. That's what happens in my neighborhood. That really yeah. does. Sometimes I have to leave quickly, so I always have the engine running, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the I have I opened my Etsy store in March of 2010, and... Wow. Etsy has changed a lot since then. It's grown a lot since then. Um, they changed some of their rules for the types of, uh, you know, what you who could be on selling on Etsy and whatnot. Um, and it's harder to get found on Etsy now, but Etsy is still a great source for, for selling online. And Etsy is what gave me, really got my business started when I was kind of doing it more like you are, Phil. You know, I was working full-time and making stuff on the, you know, nights and weekends and, um, and selling it on Etsy. Um, it's uh, it's it's a must-have, really. And there are a couple of other sites that compete with uh, Etsy now. Uh, the the newest one that's just come up is the Amazon Marketplace, which I have started a page on, and I have yet to really have the time to do anything with it. They they were actually very specific about. They had a very uh, a somewhat serious vetting process to get on there too. They wanted to make sure. I guess someone actually hand like read and checked you out to make sure you were real and not a Chinese factory. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, so it seems promising. It's it was a little clunky when I started to put stuff up, and I got a little frustrated with it. But but it's interesting because like you were just saying, I think uh, a minute ago about Amazon Prime. You know, I mean like Amazon is is a a powerhouse. You know, of a of a sales location. It, it makes sense that it would be a, a good place to be. But um, really, you know, I am making more custom build stuff 
and the website that I use, I'm talking about websites right now, obviously. <laughs> I think we'll start there. Um, the, the website that I use that I've had a lot of success with and they've been great to me is custommade.com. And um, the way that site works is people that are looking for something, uh, they, can, they can search on there kind of like Etsy and see what people are making. And some, I have things that are just for sale there, um, like you can order, kind of like you do, Phil, with the, the whiskey boxes and whatnot. There, there is that potential of, of saying a piece that you like and ordering it, but it, you know, there's some timelines and stuff. Um, but basically, there's, it's, it, I get to contact customers because there's a list where people can put up and they say they're in New York City and they're looking for a dining table. Well, there's a oh. customer. You know, and so I'll click on the link and it says that they're looking for a uh, contemporary Asian poured concrete. And I'm like, okay, that's not me. You know, and I'll click off it. But then the next one's like, you know, they're looking for a reclaimed wood, you know, farmhouse style or something. It's like, oh, that's one that I could do. And, I'll, and I'll, I can write to them and share them, share with them, my, you know, my work, show them some pictures, give them an estimate. Um, and so it's, it's a pretty interesting way of doing things that uh, because it's it's really just a, a cold call in some ways, but it's the cold call via this company, which just gives it this like air of like comfort for everyone. And uh, and I've met the the founder of the company and stuff, and and uh, and a lot of the employees, and they all are really uh, fantastic. They they really want to get me work. Like they're that's their goal. Like they're not necessarily they're not just like oh let's make ten percent off everything or whatever. They really want to get things made in America for people and, and really fight the the consumer system that we're using now, which is what I'm trying to do. So it's been a great fit, and I would highly recommend everybody check that out. That's cool. That's, it's great that, uh, you know, that there's it's sort of flipping the process. Does it ever happen that you're sort of put into some kind of a bidding war? Like you'll approach someone and they'll say, yeah, but so-and-so said he would do it for less. Can you beat that price? Uh, I've never had that happen. I I know that uh, you know people. I've I've definitely made bids on things, and and you know the the sad thing about it is I think a lot of people are unrealistic about what they're going to get. Um, they want a, a twelve foot dining table in six weeks for five hundred dollars. You know, and and you know and so some people are just unrealistic, and so what that means is a, of the list. I think it's like I would honestly say fifty to sixty percent of it is just a waste of time. Um, right. Because people are just un- you know like they want they want custom sneakers with their name engraved in gold for forty five dollars, you know, and and so then I'm sure the sneaker maker obviously, I, and I do sometimes I'll write to someone if they're like in Connecticut especially and like I know they're local and I could go meet with them and be like hey I'm a local guy I'm doing exactly what you're looking for and I would love to make this for you to be honest your price point is a little unrealistic, um, you know I would say I could probably make something like that for around this price. Uh, and I will do my best to work within your budget. Uh, there are solutions I could find that are closer to your price range, but they're not exactly what you're looking for. Let's let's talk about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, try to you know, and I experiment with different ways of sort of presenting that information. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think sadly, I only have like about a 25% success rate, you know, on even like and when I get a conversation going and it actually turning into a job. Mm-hmm. But it's still they're they're pretty good jobs when they happen because there's a lot of good customers there. And but it's the same as a retail outlet. I mean, if if twenty five percent of the people that walk in your store that they buy something, that's actually a pretty good day. Right. Yep. Yep. That is a good day. So you know what? Let's break it up then. Since you yeah. started with the with the online, let's all do online, and then we can go in person if applicable. Awesome. Uh, Bill, do you have any experience with anything online? Uh, you know, the only thing I've really done utilized online, which has been amazing for me, and it may sound silly, is Craigslist. Um, I've I've either posted for uh, 
you know, I unemployed for a while um, uh, for you know building fences and decks, and I, I got some jobs that way. But as far as sometimes I'll make stuff, post some pictures, and within a week it's gone. You know, I've sold cars and motorcycles and, and everything else, but I mean, as far as uh, things that I've made that I've tried to make a few extra dollars, uh, utilize Craigslist, and, and it, it amazes me. Maybe it's because I live in the Bay Area; it is so huge. Um, the market out here is really big as far as who it reaches, you know. But um, yeah, so that that's that's really it. So anyway, Phil, enlighten us. Well, I'm just going to ask you, since your experience with Craigslist was has been positive, have there been any uh, are there any cons to using Craigslist in your opinion? I, you know, I've heard horror stories about you know people getting robbed or you know trying to grab your thing. No, it's always been positive. Any any interaction I've ever had with anybody, whether I'm buying something off of Craigslist or selling it, is always been positive. And like I said, I've never had something I've posted for sale. And it hasn't been cheap. I mean, if I put something like a piece of furniture that I built, it's you know more than a few hundred dollars. And um, with like I said, within a week. So I think I don't, and I haven't done that in a little while. Probably you know, six eight months is the last time I did it. I don't know if that's changed now because some of these new venues are up. But maybe they've been around for a long time anyway. But it, again, very positive experience for me as far as Craigslist. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, I never had any luck there. Well, you live in a you know in a town that's quite a bit smaller than the Bay Area. It's got to have you know geographically that's got to have something to do with it. I think Connecticut's smaller than the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> See again, I don't know this. I traveled to the Midwest for the first time in my life, so uh, <laughs> the North Pole. <laughs> I laughed when you said that. Yeah. Um, I've used Craigslist for buying and selling tools and electronics mm. and computer stuff. I've never used it for selling any of my work. It's an interesting thought. I might do that. Um, and as Bill said, my experience has always ever been positive. You always like my wife's freaked out. She's like, meet in a public place and don't tell them our address. <laughs> I'm like, anytime you hear anything about something happening bad on crazy, it's always an urban legend. It's like never somebody you actually know, right? Yeah. I never. I mean, I fundamentally believe that people are good. And you know, like they're going on there to sell their thing or to buy your thing. They're not looking to murder you. There's easier ways to murder than to post an ad, you know. Yeah, and have a paper trail or, or a digital paper trail, so to right. speak, uh, that lead you to the scene of the crime. You know, <laughs> well, I'll meet you at seven ten at the at the pizza place, and yeah. you know. To be honest, there there have been a few uh, scams that have happened in the Bay Area through Craigslist, um, but you usually hear about that on the news, and they always get busted. So. Mm. My wife's not worried about me getting scammed. She's worried about me uh, dying. So I'd be well, okay with a scam versus the alternative. Don't but, you worry uh, about it. Between Tim and I, man, we'll get there. Lickety split and we got your back, buddy. We you know, got your back, man. Yeah, TikTok. Um, <laughs> and the other online that you know I, I probably talk about people are sick of hearing about is, is Etsy. I've been on there since April. And it was a very slow ramp up for me. It took me until June to get my first sale, and then another month to get my next one. And you know, like it's kind of been an, an exponential curve. You know, started very slowly, and then very quickly has has risen up. But it could also be the time frame. A lot of my sales have been for Christmas, but by the same token, they've also been for other things. The gift box that I sell is not cheap, and a lot of people are using it for anniversaries, um, birthday presents. Uh, one that I'm thrilled to be a part of right now is actually a marriage proposal. 
Someone, mm. it, it's this girl who's proposing to her boyfriend using this box. On the front, it has a whole nice thing that she wrote, and then you open it up, and it says, will you marry me? So I, I'm like, wow, this is an amazing thing to be part of. Anyways, that was a digression. I'm sorry. No, no, not anyways. No, no not at all. Awesome, dude. That's so awesome. What You should be honored, and I'm sure you are. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. I was kind of blown away by that one. Um, but she was very specific, and we went back and forth with a lot of mock-ups and stuff, which I do, like I'll, you know, different font choices, different placements. So it was like a good couple of weeks of some intense stuff, but I was completely, you know, I get it. You know, this is a very important thing, and as you said, I was I was honored, and I am honored to, to be part of it. Uh, so I shipped that today. So I'll find out probably on Wednesday if he said yes. That's awesome. That is so awesome. That just that made the cool. whole podcast. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So yeah, that's, chances are he will, because that's a pretty yeah. cool girlfriend right there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, and that is that is kind of part of, of being a maker, too. I don't know. I, I feel like that is like, I like to make people happy. And, um, you know, it's, I'm not like, like some like super people person, but I like to make people happy. And, and if that's like, if you can do that and you can be a part of people's lives like that, that's pretty, that's pretty special. It's way better than, you know, just giving them their coffee in the morning or like, you know, crunches some numbers somewhere, I guess. For sure. I think, I think mm -hmm. in general, when somebody gets something that somebody else made specifically for them, it, I feel good when it happens. Um, yeah. I remember the interrupting. I'm going to do that again. Stu Morrison, I posted on Facebook, made me a uh, plaque of the logo that Mike and Luis got for me. So when I got home from Illinois, that happened. So another shout-out to Stu. And while I was in Illinois, uh, Jeff Ratichek or Ripple Snacks, Ripple Snacks, yeah, I know him. Jeff, yeah, Jeff Ripple Snacks made me a uh, you know what's a loots plaque, and uh, just real quick again to say thank you to those guys. So, but in that vein, it's you know somebody makes something for you that's by hand. They made it for you specifically. It's meaningful. Mm -hmm. You know, and if I can, if I can do that for somebody else, that's awesome. So again, Phil, that's, I, dude, I'm still smiling about that whole <laughs> thing. That's awesome. <laughs> I, it's, this was sort of the, the icing on the cake or the cherry on top, whatever you want to call it, because I've been part of anniversaries. I've been part of uh, weddings. There was a father who ordered one for his son, um, and he was like the sweetest man ever. He was just so nice, and he sent me pictures afterwards of like um, of where they had placed it and how he presented to his son. It was just it was a good feeling, so, so that was really cool. Um, and so, you know, it's been nothing but really pro for me. I find... Now that I understand how to promote correctly on Etsy, meaning setting real maxes on the bids, because if you leave it on auto bid, they're going to rip you for like 70 cents every promoted link, which is insane. So I max it at 10 cents. I put a maximum of two dollars a day on my on my uh, promoted links or my my promotion budget. Oh, you you do all that? Yes, it's never, necessary. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never done that. It's, I don't even know what you're talking about, so... Yeah, I do know what you're talking about, but, um, yeah, I never really done... I messed around with it once, but it was, like, just for, like, a one-off thing, because I don't have a product line, so... So, I'm sure there's more than just me out there that's not sure what you're talking about. Sure. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, please. So, Etsy works kind of like eBay. You know, you, you put up a, a listing, uh, but you can also pay to promote it so that it'll come up at two bars on a search page. So, it'll come up on the first page um, at the top four and then the middle four. So you're sort of guaranteeing eyeballs because until you get to a point where your item is popular enough that it will organically show up on the front page, which is where you need it to in order for people to see it, think about any time you search for anything. You're not going four pages deep in or ten pages deep. 
you're checking the first page, maybe the second page, and then you're making your decision. So you really want to be on that front page. Um, I've been on there with my items that are pretty niche, so when people search for them, I now am organically on the front page, so I've really dialed down the promotion. But at first, I wasn't, so I paid for it, and I didn't really think about you know, um, capping my promoted price, uh, and, and I was subject to you know their 70 cents thing or whatever, because uh, the way it works is that those spaces are almost, um, they're set to a bid. So, okay, let me break it down even farther. Every single one of those spots has a value that fluctuates, almost like a marketplace. And if you leave it on auto bid, it will always set you up so that you guarantee to buy that spot. Now, if you artificially cap it, then you're probably not going to win that spot. Uh, and, and then you'll you'll win it during, let's, let's say, less peak hours or what have you. I have found that I've gotten the same amount of traffic by spending a fifth less. So... I'm happy with that kind of traffic. I'm happy to spend a fifth of the cost, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's worked out well for me. the The other important thing to do for Etsy is to have as many listings as possible. Uh, the more listings you have, the more traffic you're going to generate. The more people are going to come visit your store, and from your store, see your other items. Now, I currently have about 17 listings, so it's not a huge amount, but I am generating a what I consider to be a decent amount of traffic. What do you mean by each listing? You have each item, like if you have five whiskey boxes and you, you list each one of them individually, or how does that work? Every time I make one, I, I then take pictures and copy-paste the listing and put the new picture in so it appears as though it's another listing. Okay, Which, gotcha. And what that does is, you know, it sounds, sounds shady, but it's really not. What it's doing is it's showing you more options because every single one is unique. So you get to see that because people don't really always have that imagination for... What can you do? Like, I'll put in, sure, I can make it custom, no problem. And then people will still ask me, oh, can I get it personalized? I'm like, that's the, it's in the title of the listing that it's, you can personalize <laughs> it. You know, like, people are, like, shy that way for some reason. So I have to constantly reinforce that message. So, you know, it's one more listing. It's another one that I did. It's a little bit different, as they all will be naturally, because they come from, you know, different material every single time. There's no such thing as the same one. Um, and sometimes, depending on the material, I will actually have to change the technique whereby I make it. Sometimes they're just butt joints if I don't have enough. Sometimes I'll make them mitered. Sometimes I'll make them... What I've been recently doing is uh, I've been doing uh, rabbit joints. So, so they're different every time. But, you know, it's interesting what you, you're, what you just said, though, um, about people not knowing what they can do. And I found that, too, that... And it's not that they're shy. I think is they don't... They just really don't know. They don't fully understand that. It is yeah. actually you and a table saw making this, and you can do it because it's just foreign to most consumers mm -hmm. that they can just get what they want. And that's what that's like a huge part of my selling thing is like, why settle? I, I tell every time I write out to a customer, I'm like, don't settle for what you can get in a store. Get what you want. You want a table that's 37 and a half inches long. Don't settle for the 36-inch one that kind of looks like what you want. Get me to make the 37 and a half inch one that is the one you want, you know. That's a great selling point. Yeah, that really is a good point. And it's hard. To, it really is hard to 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 get that through. I agree. I was gonna say that I don't have any experience with Amazon Handmade, apart from the fact that I, I sort of know what it's about, and I know that it's a twelve percent transaction fee, mm -hmm. which is substantially more than Etsy. Etsy is yeah. like uh, I think it's like two and a half percent. Yeah. So. 
So if you're not judicious about your promotions, you're going to pay a lot. Like I paid a lot, like a stupid amount of money when I first started for promotions. I wish I could have some of that back. But uh, now that I have it under control, it's much more affordable. The processing fees are very affordable. Like I'd call it less than a credit card would charge you to, to process. Oh, they're great. Etsy is fantastic for that. The the fees, uh, so like if you spend twenty dollars on Etsy, like the maker gets like nineteen of it. It's they're fantastic. Yeah, it's good like that. Yeah. So so as far as cons, I probably would say that they should be better about like this hasn't been my experience because I'm, my product line isn't really butting up against this issue, but from everything that I've read, they need to do a better job about letting people sell who are not makers. Mm. That's that's the issue there, and I, I found that problem as a consumer on the site because I of course want to shop there. I don't want to shop mm -hmm. in stores, and uh, and I was looking for a couple of Christmases ago. I was looking for a coat for my wife, and I was like, I'm gonna find a nice handmade coat or maybe like an upcycle coat. I found some great stuff for her in the past, and I couldn't for the life of me find a coat. Every time you say like that one looks great, and you click on, you start reading deeper, and you realize it's actually being imported from China. Yeah, um, yeah. and there's and because they had changed their rules about how how people could and there's like actual stores on there now. And stuff, and it's like, well, now the whole point of Etsy was so I didn't have to compete directly with a store, and then now I have to compete directly with a store on Etsy, you know. So, are, are either one of you aware of any other uh, Etsy-ish type websites or, or things that are out there? We know there's custom-made Etsy, Amazon. There's anything else? There's one called. Uh, it's actually specifically for upcycling called Cuttlefish, and uh, I was invited to. To, and I started putting a page on there, and I ended up taking it off because it looks better now than it did. I should go back and revisit it. Uh, and it's Cuttlefish with a K, and I think they're still out there. And then there's another one that's... Um, uh, I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Was I it Squirrels remember. something? I don't know that one. Um, it's something with the Squirrel. word art, art in it. Oh, I don't know. The thing is, is Etsy is like the juggernaut. It's like the Amazon of that space. So right. if you're going to invest your energy... Then it makes sense to sort of, I mean, I almost centralize it. But I guess Tim, you're you're different because you're using that custom-made website, which is turns the process on its head. Well, you know, yeah, it does. And you know what it is? Well, this is what I've come to in my my five years of of doing this stuff is that um, I use the internet as a larger word of mouth to find local business. That's sort of what I'm trying to do, because um, you know, word of mouth is always the best the best way to get work. And I have, and so like everything I do online is about just creating more word of mouth, um, for the most part, because I don't really want to work in San Francisco because Bill's there. You don't need me to make stuff for people in San Francisco. I want to just work locally, um, and so I use the internet word of mouth. And it's funny because it's like the internet is so big that it made us realize, uh, you know, it, it, we needed this giant thing to find what's in our neighborhood. Yeah, and and yeah. stranger, and people like you know like this the the whiskey cabinet. The guy just picked it up Saturday. He loves it. And, um, you know, he was coming from Massachusetts about an hour and a half drive, and, you know, he found me on the Internet, and then he saw how close I was, and it became a reality. And it was like, well, there's my word of mouth. You're just going a little bit further than making something for my neighbors. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do with the whole thing, and that's like, you know, custom-made. Like, I don't even really write to anybody unless they're in New York, Boston, or Connecticut. Um, every once in a while, people on custom-made will find me. Um, like, I know I just actually sent a... A coffee table to Hayward not too long ago, Bill. <laughs> Castro Valley, Castro yeah. Valley, Castro Valley, and um, and uh, you know, and it was because he found me. He saw the coffee table. He was like, "Hey, that's what I'm looking for." And then it was like, even that, it was like, and I, I was like, "Well, because he found one that I made like it." I'm like, "Yeah, well, what? How do you want it?" And it took a while for them to understand. Like, 
Like, no, I can really do whatever you want. You want it to be bright pink? I'll make it bright pink. What do you, what do you want, you know? And, uh, and then once you kind of break that down for people and they realize, like, oh, well, could you make it 16 inches instead of 15? I'm like, yeah, I can make it 16 and 3 eighths. You know, like, really? You know? <laughs> and, you know, you kind of, you know, you kind of get through that and then it gets really exciting and fun. And, mm-hmm. uh, that, that was that giant purple coffee table, right? No, the purple one went to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she loves it too. That looked it actually because I was so nervous about that how the tint changed on it, and um and I was I was for people that don't know I was mailing pictures to like Bill and to to Andy Berkey like like is this is this look too purple and and getting conflicting reviews and stuff and I was like her and I went I I, I did a whole video that I put up on YouTube just for her to see like an unlisted video and of me shining spotlights on it and taking it outside and inside <laughs> and halogens and incandescent bulbs and LED bulbs. Uh, to show all the different light reflection values on it. Like, seriously, there's a five-minute video like, going, here it is with just the garage door open and one 60-watt bulb in the flash on my camera. <laughs> and I walk around the whole thing. And so, you know, of course, it was just, she was just like, yeah, whatever, you weirdo, it looks fine. <laughs> you know? And then she sent me pictures of it in her house, and it just, it's, like, perfect. Because I was just, she really, she wanted it to match this, like, basically a tree and a painting in her house. Um, and to do that via photos on the your phone and the computer and stuff is tricky, you know, and uh, and it and it just it looks awesome. I was like so pleased. That's great. All right, totally off topic. I'm sorry. No, well, actually, great. actually, it's not off topic because you're t- we're talking about you know where, where did she, where did she approach you from? How did you get that customer? Custommade.com. She saw that I had made a table like that's kind of like the way Phil uses Etsy. Really, is because right. I have pieces up there that I've made. And people are like, "Hey, I like that. Can you make one for me?" I'm like, "Yeah. How do you want it? You know." Mm. And and I, you know, so that it's. I feel like it's a better fit for me. It's more furniture and less like stuff. Like, but then like my guitar stands, like I didn't put those on custom made. I put those right on Etsy. You know. Right. So the last point that I'm going to make about Etsy is a con, and I'm sure you know everyone's beaten this to death. But the but the thing that you're you, people are going to find is that there is a glut of product on there. There's yeah. competition like crazy for. What has become commodity items like, you know, cutting boards, um, you know, coffee tables, that kind of thing. So, the advice that I give and I always give when it comes to Etsy is find a niche, find something that uh, you know that not a lot of people are doing. And I will now give you advice on how to find that. There's a website called Marmalade.com, and I'll put it in the show notes. It actually is a, an, a search and analysis tool for Etsy. So you'll type in something like, uh, I don't know, coffee table or whiskey box or whatever it is, and they'll show you the most popular price points with volumes at those price points. You see how many are selling at any given price point. It shows you um, all the search terms that people use to get to the products and, and all kinds of incredible statistics that help you sharpen up your listings and really get you to to understand how to market and to see whether or not what you're trying to sell is just like too much of it. Like maybe move on, find another product. So marmalade.com, that one really helped me, and I will uh, put that in the show notes. I laugh sometimes at how completely similar we are and then how so different we are because that is exactly <laughs> not what I would do. I would just sit and make stuff and put it up online and see if someone likes it. And if no one buys it, it's because it's not dumb enough and crazy enough yet. <laughs> So I'm like, well, maybe I can make this even bigger and less practical, you know? <laughs> well, you know, when you said that, Phil, it made me think that if, if, if there's a billion coffee tables out there and I want to sell a coffee table, what do you think about not calling it a coffee table? I mean, literally marketing mm-hmm. it or advertising it as a, 
you know, a, a living room settee. Or I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying. A large end table. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, something. I mean, um, how about a beer table? A beer table. You know, yeah, go for the man, know. the man vote or whatever. The thing is, is, if you're selling in person, that's great because marketing works really well there to to rename things. But um, if you're so selling Google. on Etsy, you're just not going to get the traffic where anyone's going to see it. Yeah, no one's going to Google search beer table. Yeah. Right. And so I just gave us the perfect segue. You're welcome. Oh, no, right. So, so people, yes, you know, having the opportunity to speak to people. Well, I'm no, you know, one. you know, four people. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Not anymore. Now you know 34 people. Now I know 34 people. That's right. I've only met none of them. Well, that's not true. I've met a couple. Yeah, well, just recently. Um, but I'm going to give you my in-person just because mine's going to be the shortest, and then I'll hand it off to you guys because your experience with that is much larger than mine. So the pro to, um, you know, to selling in person, of course, is that uh, and not in person, sorry, to friends and to family, is, is that there's the, the, the intrinsic trust. They trust you or they're willing to give you a chance, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, and they're the ones who are going to give you the business first before anyone else places that confidence in you. The, you know, the, the largest con, of course, is that everyone's looking for a deal and, you know, like there's always that awkward, you know, uh, well, how much is this? Uh, is 50 a lot? It's only 20 hours of work. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like, and and for family, I wouldn't charge at all, of course. Okay, looks like I've been cutting out, and uh, my wife was right, and I do need a new microphone. So it's in the mail, but in the meantime, I apologize for this quality. We're almost uh, done this this podcast anyway. But uh, what I was saying was that, uh, you know, when it comes to to friends and the family, it's really difficult to charge. There's always an awkward sort of negotiation where you feel bad for charging anything at all, so you land up charging next to nothing, and then there's a bit of resentment, and I don't know, that's been my experience. Like, I had uh, friends You're not ask... to charge family? Really? Yeah. I charge them more. <laughs> I know how but, much they make. <laughs> yeah. Well, good point. Uh, but I had one case where, you know, friends asked me if I could make a tool, uh, sorry, a, a large toy box for their son. And, uh, and I was just thinking about how much material it would cost and how much time it would cost. And they said, how much? And I said, I don't know, 150 bucks. And, uh, and, and I just got like the blank stare thing. Like, well, how much did you really think this was going to cost? Like, if you went to buy it in the <laughs> store, it's like, why would you get it cheaper from someone who's making it? It's not like my purchasing power is better than the stores. And that mm. you're getting it exactly how you want. So that, that's been my con, which is sort of, let me maybe discourage people from asking me who are friends and family. For family, of course, I'll still make anything they ask me. But for friends, I'm sort of like, oh, I'm kind of busy right now. So and it makes me sound like not such a nice guy, but the truth is, is I'm doing both of us a favor. You know, in some ways you are because there is that weird gray area. Uh, and I have, a, I have a solution for that, and I say this all the time. Of course, I, I should point out that I still have issues with it, like probably more than most people. Um, but this is how I feel. Like I have a friend who's not a mechanic, and um, and so I he works on my car, and he you know wants to like so, so he'll go and he's like I'll oh, just pay me for the parts or whatever. And I always tell him it's like okay, well there's a guy down the street that I don't know that would charge me you know five hundred dollars to do this job, and so I'd be giving five hundred dollars to someone I don't know. If I have to give you five hundred dollars, you're a friend. I would rather you have that five hundred dollars than even you know. And if you can do it for four hundred, great. But don't do it as a favor. Make a living. I want to pay people I know and like, not people I don't know and don't like. 
Um, and and that, so that's sort of my solution. And, and I, of course, when people ask me to make something, I was saying, "Wow, fifty bucks!" You know, I do the same thing. But but that's that's really how we should approach it. If you know, we we we're not. You know, if, if people don't understand that you're doing this to make a living, or you're doing this, you know, that you need to to be compensated for your time, then they're not really a friend, uh, in in some ways. You know, um, maybe they're I don't know, but I, I just feel like that, that should be something that should just be totally over. Kind of like the regifting, <laughs> just get over yeah. it, man. Like you know, if you're if you're asking your friend to make something for them, understand that they do it for a living. They're gonna do the best they can for you, and they're gonna do it for a fair price, and give them their money happily instead of expecting some free deal because you guys had you know burgers together one time. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm with you, 100%. The thing is, is that my friends and my family know that I do this as a hobby and that I love doing it. So in their mind, they might be thinking, oh, he loves doing it. Let's give him an opportunity to have more fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you with that, and that is that is a thing. I mean, with family, you know, family's totally different, obviously. Yes, I agree. Um, and then you have sometimes there are friends that are like family, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but for the most part, yeah, I mean, I try to give all my friends the best price I can give them, uh, but I but I have to make a living, you know. I mean, I, I can't I can't just do it for, for labor. If I, if I have to work for four hours for something, you know, or well, what I like, and this works out pretty good for me, is I like the barter system. Like I have a, I had a friend last week who was in my shop, and we he has a he's a musician, and um, he has this big 55-inch TV that he brings around to, for the stage that's got, you know, images on it, and so we, we welded a steel frame to put around the corners because it gets bumped sometimes, and he broke one, and we remade the crate that he carries it in and out of in the trailer, you know, and this and that, and that was a barter for, you know, some, uh, his, his wife is a photographer, and so she took pictures of my, my, my girl for her senior photos and did all that stuff, and so, you know, we work things out and, like, trade like that, um, mm-hmm. Which is a great way. It's like, oh, well, you have the skills, and my mechanic buddy, you like same thing when the opportunities arise. I, you know, can you fix this, and I can make that for you or whatever. Um, I'm a huge fan of the barter system. Bill, what about you? What's been your experience? Um, you know, I think I talked about it a little bit before, but I think the best thing that I find, especially when dealing with, like we said, close friends and family, it's a different story. So we're not really talking about that. But for acquaintances, friends, find out what they're looking to spend right off the bat. So if they say, hey, man, I know you make stuff. Can, can you make a coffee table? My first question, well, what were you thinking about spending? Oh, I mean, 150 bucks. I'm like, well, what, what were you looking to get? And then that's where that negotiation comes in. But when they start going completely ornate, you can just politely tell them. It says that that's not feasible for me. That would take... You know, that's that's like two weeks worth of work right there and just, you know, 150 bucks. I mean, but I can turn you on to Craigslist. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a great approach. That's way better than mine. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and maybe that just comes from, you know, and I don't want to always keep saying experience. It makes me feel like I'm the old guy of the group, but it's just, yeah. you know, it's just kind of being out there and, and knowing it a little bit. So try and get an idea of what people are thinking to begin with because you can really, it gives you the that split second to actually know that you're probably not going to do this or maybe challenge yourself to try and uh, sell yourself into a higher paying gig with this person. But most often, for me, I've just been lucky. People have been a little more realistic because, like I said, they've looked. They've thought about it. They were going to, and a lot of what I do for people is word of mouth. Um, so they already know what I do and what I pay for, I mean, you know, what I charge. And so I haven't had to deal with it too much, but usually they come in a little low, and you just gotta you just gotta creep them up there a little bit. Unless they're super super cool, then I'll give them a good deal. Or if if I can tell again they're gonna be really super finicky, then I'm I'm gonna push that price a little bit higher, and you know half hoping that they back away. And because I don't do this for a living, it's it, you know maybe I have that advantage too, like you, Phil. Um, but 
that's that's what works for me with people. It's really reading the person and trying to get as much information about what they're thinking right from the beginning about the kind of money they want to spend. That's great. Really, really good advice. Yeah, it is very good advice, and I, I I try to do that as well, but I don't think I'm as good at it as I could be. You know, of getting the number stuff out because I'm not a money guy. You know, so I don't like to talk about money. So I'm just well, spending I, all this time talking with someone and realize we're on two different pages, and it's like, oh, you know. That's not to say that I haven't, you know, my the the cabinet I made for my for my friend uh, in my first video, it was that Jared's corner cabinet thing, and mm -hmm. that I basically gave away. I put a lot of time and effort into that, and when I was done with it, I went, why did I? I mean, I could have charged even an extra hundred bucks on that. He would have got a great deal, and it would have made me just feel better about the time and effort that went into it because I also spent a little bit of money I shouldn't have. Most of it was upcycled, but I did. I was like, oh, crap, I forgot. I got to buy stain. I got to get you know, screws and this, this, and that. So I really didn't make any money at all on that first one. Mm -hmm. And there's also been times in the past where I, for whatever reason, you just make a bad deal. You're like, you agree to build something for somebody, and it just it was too cheap. You really should charge more, you know. That comes with experience too, you know. It's yeah. like you get burned a few times. If you continue to make things for, you know, to to get billed for two hours for ten hours of work, then you're going to just fail, you know. Yeah. You need to learn how to do that. You know, um, the one other thing I wanted to talk about with selling that, of course, is important is um, is stores because they do still exist in their uh, <laughs> <laughs> and people do still go in them. Um, now, I have a, a, a local store that I put stuff in. It's one of these. And I've done this a couple times, and I've never really had any luck with it. And, and the same is going for me now, really. I don't feel like I'm, I'm having any luck uh, with it. But because there are these stores, they're like these sort of cooperative type things where there's some people that pick up... Consignment stuff. type stores, yeah. Yeah, there's consignment stuff. There's some people that pick up furniture and paint it with like nice paint, you know, like the, the you know, doing that whole painted furniture distress look. There's like crafters that make pillows that say funny things about drinking wine, you know, and all that type of stuff. And, uh, and then there's me. And... Um, and I kind of wanted to get to Bill on this, but I wanted to paint the picture a little bit. So, you know, I, I go in there and, you know, sell some stuff here and there, and it never really turns out to be uh, really work. And what I found with, and, you know, people are always telling you, oh, you should go to the flea market, or, oh, you should go to this place, that thing. And what I found happens with the type of work that we're doing is if I have a coffee table and I put it in one of these consignment-type stores, one of these second-hand shops, it's worth, you know, 200 bucks, 250 bucks. But if I put it in looking at the exact same table and I put it in some, like, you know, white-walled glass and chrome New York City-style, like, boutique, the thing's worth 1500 You know what I mean? So there's this aspect of, of perceived value based on location and whatnot, too. But what I was curious about is that I know where you are, Bill, that this is a, a lot... It's a lot hipper out there with, uh, you know, people are much more environmentally friendly and they're a little more aware of this type of work. So I was wondering if you, what your store experience is like, not necessarily as a maker, but also as a consumer. Like, are there stores there where you can go and see fairly priced, upcycled stuff? Yes, and let, let me tell you how much I love that. Um, in San Francisco alone, um, one of the things that has encouraged me and helped me is the astronomical prices they're selling for stuff that I can make. I mean, we're, we're talking like... A, I, I have a, a coffee table and end tables in my living room that I was going to sell, and Casey said, no, we're keeping them. Literally almost identical style, a simple welded metal frame with a slab of wood on top in one of these stores is like $2,200 in, in the ups. Wow. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do this. I mean, so I think definitely areas, different areas of the country are going to charge different. There's, there's, like you said, there's some consignment stores where it's kind of a mismatch of different crafts and maker objects 
and I can and, and the prices are a little bit lower, go down the street a little bit, and it's still a local artist or maker has made things. It's putting to a store that's got beautiful lighting and the fancy front. It's just that clientele that goes in there, and it's literally kind of the same stuff, and they're charging a lot more money for it. Hmm. And part of that may just be because right now in the Bay Area, because of the uh, I, I think it's the tech industry that's done it where so many people out here now are making lots and lots of money and they're young. These stores are all jacking up these prices, so these kids are going in there. I can afford to pay $5,000 for my one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco and then go spend another 10000 you know, 5000 a month for the rent, and I can spend 10000 on a table. I mean, it's it's kind of scary good if I was into that, but I'm not. So, But, yes, I mean, it. The, I can I can tell you if if either one of you guys came here, we can spend the day going to different cities around the Bay Area in, in one day and seeing the different locations and the differences in prices and how they market it. It's just as far as how their store looks. If it's a consignment store versus a boutique, which is to me the same exact thing, it's still somebody selling somebody else's product. And uh, mm. but it's it's astronomical difference of two hundred dollar table versus a twenty two hundred dollar table. It's the same table. You know. Well, that goes back to your marketing question earlier. You know, I, I just feel like there's a place in between because I, as a person with a conscience, don't want to sell a table exactly. for $2,200 if it's not worth that. If, I, if I've got 10 hours into it, you know, and, and 50 bucks in material, I just, I don't want to make that much profit. Um, but, and it's weird, there's a stand-up comedian that, that did this, this bit once, uh, and I, I wish I could credit him properly, but he basically said he had a, he had a half-hour set, or whatever his set was, and he'd go out and he'd, he'd do, doing shows. He's like, 50 bucks a show, everywhere he went, 50 bucks a show. And he's like, nah, not tonight, maybe tomorrow night, kid, whatever, whatever. And he could never get work. And then he goes one day, he goes, I have a 30-minute set, it's a $1,000 show. And now he's, he's too busy, he can't, he can't right. keep up the gigs, you know, because there's that perceived value. And, That's um, what it's all about. Yeah, it's uh, part part of seeing some of that stuff though, and seeing the prices on it builds my confidence. Not that oh, I can make that much money, but it's like I look a lot of this stuff, and it's like I'm better than that. I mean, I can literally make a nicer table. I know I wouldn't charge that kind of money for it, mm. and uh, it just builds my confidence because you know, like I said, for it takes a while to get to a point where you're like, am I any good? You know, is that really that's not worth that much money? And, and you know, I worked so hard on this, but how can I possibly charge somebody? 10 hours of labor plus materials for something that's just this, go around and look at some of the stuff that's out there and you realize that it's subjective. And there's stuff out there I know uh, difficulty-wise and quality-wise I can do better. Not that that piece wasn't amazing, but if they're out there making a living selling that, I, I, can, I can actually build something that I'm proud of and, and charge a fair price for it. So. Yeah, and that's like what, you know, my sort of mission is to sort of circumvent or change the, the structure of the system of, of consuming, you know, right down to how we buy stuff. And, uh, you know, and one of the reasons that that table is $2,200 in that store is because 50% of that is just going to the store. They've got the trucking company to pay. They've got the light bill to pay. They've got the clerk to pay. When you're, when you're buying for someone like me or, or you guys, it's just us. So right. our overhead is dramatically lower. So what you're actually getting for is you might be paying more, but you're paying, you know, or something similar, like you're paying more pound per pound, so to speak, but you're, you're getting more quality, you know, and the money is going into the into the piece and not into the system around the piece. Correct. I love that. Yeah. Fight the system. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, works. Uh, okay. Real quick, though, real quick. Uh, you guys sounded way smarter than me this episode. And you had so much great input as far as like uh, selling on Etsy and all that good stuff. Um, and my little input was uh, Craigslist. One thing, let's not forget, 
the free section of Craigslist oh. for us upcyclers. If you mm. go to the free section on Craigslist and you type in reclaimed wood in the free section, that's where you can get a lot of the materials to make to turn around and sell back on Craigslist. I just yeah. wanted to throw that out there. Oh, the free, I check the free listings almost every day. Yeah. Yeah. Check the free listings on Craigslist for lumber, for metal, for, you know, a lot of people are, are just, they just want help getting things out of their yard. They may not have a truck and they've got a pile of wood or, and sometimes it's crap and sometimes it's really good. And since yeah. I can make stuff out of both, it's great. And it depends upon how, how far away it is and stuff. You know, I always have to figure in the gas mileage for old yeller and stuff. It's like, oh, that looks great. And it's like, oh, it's 30 miles away. It's just not worth it. And, right. But uh, yeah, the, yeah, the free, and then there's also freecycle.org. Um, yes. if, you know, and uh, that's where people are giving away stuff and and uh, and good old Facebook. Like I was, I'm on a quest for a couple satellite dishes for a, a sort of dumb idea I have. <laughs> and, uh, and I've got, <laughs> and I've got, I've got half. Yeah, I've got half the satellite dishes I need, and I found two people in you know within a couple towns that have satellite dishes. Like, yeah, just come take them off our roof, you know. So, because I love roofs. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, I think I think we've we've addressed the topic really really well. Um, mm. I think we've given some some good advice both to each other and to and to our listeners. The best advice given tonight, though, is your wife when she told you to get a new microphone. Yep, <laughs> yep. We're dedicating this episode to your wife. Amen. <laughs> if she ever listens, I'll let her know, or she'll know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I'll speak loudly, more clearly, just in case. What are we watching? Okay. I am watching. Um, I want to wish a happy birthday to Mr. Chris Cute. Um, his channel is pretty cool. Uh, when I I got turned on to the Maritime Woodworkers for the first time, it's because uh, Chris did a thing called Channel Pass, and it's where it's just people doing a video about sharing other people's videos, and then I got invited to Maritime Woodworker. I found Chris because he was doing it. His, one of his first videos was him turning his uh, uh, some wood that his brother had given him and it was a childhood type thing and, and they, how they grew up but he, he had these logs that he actually milled himself and he made into this really cool table for his brother and I just started commenting on his videos and we, we kind of hooked up online um, just interesting stuff love Chris Cute, happy birthday buddy happy birthday Chris yeah, happy birthday Chris oh and happy birthday to uh, Clay Hudson also a member mm. of the group Yes, happy birthday. All right, who am I watching? I am watching, and I have the distinct honor of saying that I am watching Mr. Rod, and I can't pronounce his last name like he does because it rolls his R's. Reyes. He just put out his second video, and he had his girls in it, which was super cute. And I'll put a link in the show notes, as I, I will, for all the videos that we talk about. But uh, he did these cabriole legs for this um, a dresser that he's fixing up that he, he found in an alley, and man, does this guy have skills. He's so humble and self-effacing about everything that he does, but he has some serious skills and an incredible shop, super yeah. jealous me. Uh, yeah, he has toys. You know, yeah. today on this podcast, he kept saying, you know, I'm not a maker, I'm not a maker. I wanted to reach through and just, like, grab him and shake him and say, yes, sir, you are exactly what a maker is anyway. Yeah. Hmm. I, I didn't get that either. I wasn't going to fight with him, but uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm not really a fighter like you, buddy, but, you know, I was going to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I was shaking with love, shaking with love. Besides, have you seen this guy? He's a, he's a monster. I wouldn't want to tussle with yeah. him. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, you're right. The muscles from Brussels. Um, 
with I don't Jill, think he's from right? Brussels. <laughs> so, so that's who I'm watching. Um, I really love him. He's like the second video he's ever done, and he's super smooth, real, real natural. I, I recommend everybody watch him. He's great. Uh, I just want to add on Rod. Like I, I put on Facebook that he's my my new favorite like video maker, and I just think his. I just love how his his way of speaking, and he's so relaxed and eloquent, and just inviting. It's just like uh, he's just yes, it's great. And and never mind the the awesome shop and the patience and the skill that this guy is demonstrating. But uh, yeah, he's just like his personality just really really comes through. And uh, he's, he's kind of like the Zen master. I mean, I literally I watch I watch his video and I wanted to go hug my wife. You know, it's just. <laughs> It's no longer the Lutz abides, it's the Reyes abides. <laughs> the Reyes does abide, man. <laughs> he abides, man. Um, I want to mention uh, one of our... Uh, I'm going to mention a group member, but because I said I wasn't going to, but I had to mention uh, this group member of ours from across the pond, Jamie Page. Um, a, because he's awesome. Uh, B, because he's upcycles. And C, because he upcycled and he made one of those passive iPhone uh, like speakers out of uh, some reclaimed wood. And he wrote all our freaking names in it, <laughs> which yeah. I thought was really cool. He dedicated it to the podcast, and um, and it, it, it's awesome. It, it looks really cool. And so if you go to Jamie Page's, uh, it's JP Woodworks, um, and uh, you can see that along with some other stuff. And uh, yeah, he's a super nice guy, and uh, he only has a couple hundred subscribers, so we should probably fix that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I gotta give him some extra uh, love. Jamie out of nowhere decided he was gonna send me some candy from the UK. And uh, he did this a couple months back, and I was just blown away by that. Why would somebody want to do that? And he did. And then he also designed a sticker for me that he didn't actually have a made or anything, but he made this, like, $100 bill with my face on it that he put oh, in the top. Oh, that was – you made that? That was him. Yeah, that was Jamie. <laughs> that was awesome, yeah. I just – we love this guy. He's he's a, he's an incredible young maker, and um, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you gave him a shout-out. I wouldn't have, you know, because he's – He's not very but cool. The candy was terrible. I, I, <laughs> yes, candy. I got a toothache, so I would never. Know. He's awesome. I think you said A. He's awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. B, C, D, E, F, and G. He's awesome. So. Yeah. All right. Our channels. I'll say it very quickly because you guys know who we are. There's Tim Sway, Jake and Emmy's dad, and William Lutz. So that's us. You can always find that on our website. Check it out. Um, one more reminder for iTunes. Leave a review, please. And Patreon, again, anything you can do to help support the show is greatly appreciated. ReclaimedAudioPodcast.com, and everything you need to know is there. Uh, all your links and pertinent information to everything that we've talked about. I want to say thank you to everybody, but uh, I just want to tell you two thank you, too. This is so much fun, you guys. I'm, I'm having a blast. I appreciate you. Oh, he Likewise. doesn't know yet. Phil, he doesn't know yet? Uh, Damn it. I, I knew this was coming. <laughs> I knew uh, this was coming. <laughs> I thought you knew this was your last show. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, we forgot to CC you on that. Uh, we found some other dude who wears a shirt. I, I, leave, I leave the country for the North Pole once. And this is what happens. <laughs> Midwest is now the North Pole. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Bye, guys. Bye. Be good. <laughs>